0: while creating a positive work environment. Drawing from her 10 plus years of leadership and hiring experience, here is your host, Jamie Van Kuyk.
1: Hello, Jamie Van Kuyk here, and welcome back to the Growing Your Team podcast. Today, I have on guest Veronica Romney. Veronica is a dream team architect helping online entrepreneurs dial in their human resources, develop phenomenal company cultures and profitable bottom lines. She's a former speaker and trainer for Tony Robbins and former chief of staff of Mega Brand's Boss Babe. She's no stranger to the stage and has been in the online marketing world for over 13 years, having been featured in places like Forbes, Inc., Huffpost, and more. When she's not helping her visionary clients scale to eight figures plus, you can find her wrangling her two man cubs in the beautiful oak trees of North Carolina. Today, Veronica and I are talking about marketing and how you need to get the marketing work off your plate if you want to really scale your business. Too many business owners want to hold on to their own marketing for way too long. This is because, one, they think, Marketing is selling, and if they're going to scale their business, they need to be in control of all those tasks so they can bring in the revenue. And two, they see themselves as the face of the business, so they're the only ones able to be that face and speak for the brand. But as you'll learn in today's episode, that will hold you back. There comes a point. Where you need to let go of the marketing and let someone else run it so you can focus on the tasks that actually grow your business. So let's jump into
2: the conversation. Hi, Veronica. Thank you so much for joining us on the Growing Your Team podcast. Hey, super excited to be here. It's my favorite topic to talk about. Uh, mine too. <laughs> can you kick us off with telling our listeners about yourself and the business that you run?
3: yeah so i um affectionately call myself a dream team architect and i can't even take credit for that title my former employee said that about me and i as a marketer was like "Ooh, this is available on godaddy <laughs> so um but i do i find myself i i self-identify as a dream team architect because i thrive in developing leaders in my wake and i also thrive in really busy beehives which tend to be more marketing centric organizations so I love teams and I love online businesses in particular because we're always making that honey. And so I really help my online visionaries scale their business by empowering themselves with A players around them so they don't have to do everything in their business.
2: Yes, and that's the goal, uh, to get out of doing everything and allowing other people, trusting other people, understand that you don't have to do it all. And I'm sure when it comes to a lot of stuff, especially in the creative marketing space, a lot of people get into that. And I know this, this covers a lot of different industries as well. People start businesses, they're doing everything. And they're like, Mm -hmm. wait, this is my way. I'm the person. This is my process. People are hiring me because of me. And it can be very hard to let other people take over the things that touch the clients?
3: Yeah, well, we are the product. So we market the product. We are the product. We fulfill the product. We are the product. <laughs> yeah. Our face is the billboard on social media. Our product is us and our, and especially if you're an online education, online info product-based organization, you're literally selling what you know. So it's really difficult to ever imagine yourself like relinquishing any of that when you're all over that. So it it feels counterintuitive and un- almost like unnatural in a lot of ways, which is why I think a lot of online visionaries really struggle to delegate and like, let go.
2: Yes. Yes. But you need to do it. If you want to scale, yeah. like there's only so much you can do. And yeah. if you don't allow other people to help you, your business can only grow so much. So yeah. there might be those bigger goals you want to achieve that you realize are out of your reach. If you don't hire the right team to help you get there.
3: Absolutely. And I, And this is the, I mean, the distinguishing thing, right? Like, are you creating a job for yourself? Are you creating a business for yourself? You maybe have heard that before, but it's like, it's another thing to actually experience when like we aspire to leave the nine to five, we aspire to start our own company and to be an entrepreneur, to have total freedom. It's the word I hear the most. I want to be free, free in my time, free in my choices, who, who I spend my time with doing what I want, when I want making the kind of money that I want. And I think. That's a really beautiful, like brave heart kind of mode, like, you know, battle cry, but actually being free is a very different experience. And the more you bring around you, the more that you offer and the more people around you, the the less free that you feel because you're like, I feel like I just became a parent of 12, like 12 kids. And okay. I don't, I don't even like, I can barely handle the two that I have. Like, Oh, like, what is this? This is not what I thought hiring a team would feel like. So there's a lot of stuff that happens when you start to attempt to let go of doing everything yourself.
2: Yeah. And I love kind of what you said is like, yeah, so many people do start a business of their own because they want that freedom that they believe it's going to bring. And then most people build businesses that don't allow that freedom and they're, they're more trapped to their business 24 seven than they ever were at a nine
3: to five job. Yeah. And, and that's not what we thought we wanted for ourselves, which is why I feel like when I get the phone call, this is what happens. I get the phone call from the fellow visionary who I, they have Walt Disney level dreams. They aspire to have a Steve jobs wardrobe. Like, Like we have the, we read the books, we listen to the podcast, but I always get the call. And I swear to you, like nine times out of 10, this is what I hear on my phone calls. That initial call, I hear, I want to burn it to the ground. Literally, that's like the the siren. So what if you're listening to this podcast right now and you're feeling or you have actually physically said to your partner, your friends, your family, I want to burn it to the ground, that's usually when I get the phone call to like help me. I don't know what I'm doing. I know social media, I know marketing, I know how to like talk on camera. I've mastered some of those limiting beliefs, but like all the inside stuff, I don't know what I'm doing and I want to burn it to the ground.
2: Right. Yes. I've heard stuff like that too, or they're just so overwhelmed, stressed out. They need the help, but they don't even know where to find the time to bring in the help or find the time to train the help. And it's like, okay. And I remember I have conversations a lot of times where it's like, but we need to make the time because you're never going to get out of the cycle if you don't make the time to get the help that you need. So let's make sure you get the right help that you need.
3: Yeah, and it's interesting because I mean, the I could give you the same good advice that that you might've heard already it's like, okay, well, let's surround ourselves with A players. Okay, sure. And let's, let's get you out of, for example, let's start with the stuff that you don't like to do. Like you stay with the stuff you like to do. So people you're like, well, I love making content. I love the marketing stuff. Like I, I really have an affinity for that kind of creativity because it's so in flow with like how I see the world and my vision for the company. So like, let me get rid of like almost the kind of the grind, the HR, the operations, the billing, the, the, the tech, like, so it's, what I often see with scaling businesses is that they bring on a lot of assistance, whether it be a tech assistant or this assistant or whatnot, and then they start to formalize it where they might get an OBM or a DOO or a DBM. So then they start getting kind of operational personnel around them. But we hit a wall and the wall becomes marketing. It happens almost every single time. I, whether I'm meeting with somebody who's in the high six figures or multiple seven figures, as much as they're able to like delegate to operational personnel, that tends to be the easiest because it's the thing they don't like doing the most. When we get to the marketing domain and the marketing department and the marketing activity, that's the thing where even the high seven figure businesses, multiple, multiple big brands that you've heard of, that you know of, that have millions of followers on social media that I had the luxury and like privilege of working with and being behind the curtain of, they're still doing their marketing. It's crazy to think that even the biggest household names on the online space that you listen to that you read are still in the grind of the marketing activity and they hate it and they don't know how to get out of it.
2: Yeah, I find that really interesting because I'm thinking of one of my clients that I've had and um, when we were talking about bringing in a new team member, helping with some of kind of the... um, I would say like relationship type marketing and everything. So making sure that thank you notes and stuff are going out to past clients or birthday cards and stuff like that. They were okay with this person helping with, but when it came to their Instagram, they're like, oh no, 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 that's mine. That's my baby. I'm not giving it up. It's 100% me. And this person puts in so much time and effort. And they even said, it takes so much time, but it produces so much business for my business that I can never give it up. And so, yeah, I see people getting stuck in that all the time or because once again, Some of the businesses, as you say, like you are the face of that business. And people are like, how can I have someone else be
3: me on social media? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so let's talk about that. So, like, let's talk about how i would differentiate so when i'm meeting with my online clients or my online visionary clients right and they're trying to scale and they are investing in their team and they and they recognize i don't have the skill set to develop my team members and i don't want to sabotage my own growth because of what i don't know and i don't have experience in doing Right. So, so there's already some level of awareness and admission to be like, okay, this is a little bit beyond my scope of what I'm comfortable doing because it's people management and like, oh my gosh, this is so hard. (laughs) Okay. So there's that, but then there's this paradigm shift that needs to take place. There's this, this, this really interesting period of time where the visionary, the founder of the business, that's what I mean when I say visionary, right? The the entrepreneur, the owner, the founder, right? That they think, okay, my, what I'm best at doing is selling. No one can sell as great as I can. I'm like, well, yeah, of course, cause you're selling yourself. So you, there's so many things that you can say that I would never be able to say because who knows what you're gonna say. <laughs> like, sometimes I, you're on these webinars like, and the team in Slack is like, what did he just say? What are we doing? What are we giving out? Oh my gosh. Like. Pandemonium all through Slack because the visionary in the moment, feeling it in in the vibe of the moment, just goes, "We're going to do this, and we're going, and you're going to get a car, and you're going to get a car." So yes, someone I know
2: in my circle, they were on a webinar and they announced something like a free consultation, and they didn't yeah. actually pay attention to how many people were in the webinar, and yeah. so the oh, amount yeah. of people that signed up for it, they're like, "Oh my gosh, oh yeah, how am I going to handle this?" And they're like, yeah. "I probably should have looked at the attendance size before I." <laughs> Oh, yeah. Spotted out there, I was going to do this for free as a way to market my business.
3: Yeah, no, it's, um, I, I I won't say names, but um, one of the, my former employers was notorious for doing this. And every single time he was, he would go live, all of us were like, everybody pay really close attention because we don't know what we're going to give out. Like we might give out a Tesla. We have no idea what's like, it's always just this kind of gamble, right? So if the answer is nobody can, if we're, if the assumption is no one can sell as well as I can, I'm like, well, yes, correct. If you are selling off the cuff and sporadic, you know, spontaneous, then of course you're going to be the best salesperson. (laughs) So, so there's that let's, so, so theory or this, like, I don't know, limiting belief not to be Tony Robbins, but like, there's this like belief that you have the story that you're telling yourself is that nobody can sell to the degree that I can. Well, I'm like, well, correct. Unless you give another team member specific parameters of what they can and can't sell and to the degree that they can go above and beyond just what's listed on paper. Then of course, you're the only person that can sell as well as you can, because you give yourself unlimited access and permission at all times. So that's number one, right? There needs to be an admission there. But when it comes to what I call messaging moments, this is where I feel like my visionaries struggle the most because of social media. Because, you know, what is so relatable and so like, almost like tangible is like your audience feels like they're in a relationship with you because when you're talking direct to camera on your phone, it feels like we're just in a conversation, just you and I. Right? Can I give that to somebody else? And the answer is no, you can't to some degree. However, however you showing up on Instagram is not your marketing strategy. And I think too often times we associate singular messaging moments as the marketing strategy for a scaling business. And it's not right. Great marketing, the best kind of marketing, scaling marketing, big business marketing is not just social media. It's search, it's social, it's paid, it's relationships, it's collaborations, it's going on a podcast. Like there's just, there's so much. So what, what I start to do with my clients okay what in the marketing sphere of of activity can you and only you do alone that no one else can do and then whatever we identify as the things that only you can do can we make it more efficient so that you're batching it or that you are planning for it so that it's not every day and it's not sporadic and it's not all consuming because when you wake up with a sore throat, or you wake up the next morning after having a huge fight with your partner, the last thing that you want to do is get on social media and be like, hi, my life is great by my thing, right? right? So like we have to put some structure around even the thing that you think that only you and you yourself can do. The rest, we want to delegate to your marketing leader and the marketing doers on your team. Now, you might be listening thinking, well, that's nice. I definitely have like doers because I'm full of contractors and vendors and I'm surrounded by people all the time. But they're more responsible for the asana task than they are your brand's future. Okay. Right. So what I see as a huge problem in the marketplace, and I don't know if you've experienced this, is the lack of marketing leadership. Not marketing doers. I can find social media managers. I can find paid vendors. I can find graphic designers, and certainly there are great ones and there are not great ones. So I'm not saying that you you have to you have to kind of go through like you know the pile to get to your prince charming without a shadow of a doubt. But from a marketplace, you know, volume and supply and demand, there's a ton of practitioners. There's a ton of doers and individual contributors and service providers, tons. There is not, however, an abundance of any kind of marketing leadership. In fact, it almost feels like impossible. I can't find it. Because if you find somebody who has enough marketing savviness and skill and they're not shy, they're going to do it for themselves and not for you.
2: Right. And that's actually one of the things I hear all the time when people like, oh my gosh, hiring for marketing is so hard because you think you found someone. And then they're like, well, I can run a business doing this. And then they go off and start their own business. And then I hear the challenge from businesses where they're like, I'm tired of working with contractors doing this because they get so many clients. Like one of my, one of my clients is like, I feel like we're always the bottom of the barrel, like, or they are working with an agency and they said, our account would constantly get switched from a, to a new account manager every six months. And we were having to spend all this time training yes. someone new on yes. what our brand was and all this stuff that they're like, we're tired of it and trying to bring it back internally.
3: Yeah, it's completely counterproductive because this is the department. Marketing is the, the singular department that has to be consistent in generating revenue. And it is the most inconsistent in staff um, retention. And I define staff as vendors, contractors, part-time, full-time employee, 1099. I don't really care so much of like the nature of the person, but the fact is like it's a revolving door, musical chairs of people, and yet you depend on this department to consistently making you money and honey. <laughs> right. So it's completely counterproductive for what the department needs to do and what's actually happening in the trenches of the department.
2: So what is your advice to help alleviate that. So right now people are probably like, Oh my gosh, I need this help. But now you're telling me it's gonna be a revolving door. I don't want to take the time.
3: Yeah, I have I have strong opinions, maybe because I'm Cuban, maybe because I'm the oldest, maybe because I'm an Enneagram eight, but I have strong opinions about this, because I am both a visionary myself and work with visionaries every single day with my clients. So too have I been a rainmaker or a marketing leader in businesses as well. Like I've been the director of marketing of a $21 million department. I've been, you know, chief of staff and CMO and for some big names. So like, I know what it is to be the leader that's responsible for the consistent, the consistency of like strong KPIs and good performance. And I know what it is to like manage and also be dependent and reliant on those leaders to be the best of the best. So like my, it's like almost like I have all, both perspectives of a car accident in a way because I can see the problem and I see it from both sides and I have empathy for both sides tremendously right and see how they almost right. like sabotage each other so here's what I see in the marketplace today I see the lack of marketing leadership completely so what happens is right you as an employer go out and like okay screw this like I'm I'm tired of these aspiring entrepreneurs who want to work for me for a hot second take what they can from me and then start their own company that sucks. <laughs> right. So I'm going to go to corporate and I'm going to hire somebody who has corporate experience, who has you know a track record of retaining and staying at a company. I take this individual who has a really shiny corporate resume. I bring them into the organization and they're like, it doesn't translate, right? What we do in corporate America what, versus what we're doing in the wild, wild west of the online space is dramatically different. And the speed in which we do it and the fires in which we're putting out and the daily triage is very very different than what happens in corporations where they have budgets and they have payroll and they have roadmaps and they have it's like way different and so you get this really shiny corporate experience it's really expensive i'm talking like 150 180k plus revenue incentives you can take them into the business and it doesn't translate so then you go back to your team and you get mad at your doers for not leading and not for anticipating your needs and not being proactive but they're like but we're stuck in the doing you know so here's my personal opinion on like how to solve this problem because i genuinely feel like the perfect marketing leaders are not just sitting around waiting on linkedin for your job post like right. they're just not and not every corporate person will translate to the online space so i don't want you to like do something with a really expensive price tag and it just not work out and then you feel like you're just like done and again i want to burn it to the ground <laughs> that comes there comes the saying i'm burning it to the ground So my personal opinion is that the best leaders are ones that you train and develop, not so much that you hire. So for me, if I had a whole bunch of doers around me, or if I knew I had somebody in my organization that like genuinely wholeheartedly believed in my mission and my vision and like never really brought an umbrella to the brainstorm, right? Like but really was like open-minded and was so behind where we're going and like really sold on what we're trying to do. And like I'm telling them I want to build Walt Disney World. They're like, let's do it. You know, I have no idea how, but let's do it. Like, that's that kind of excitement for the future that they share with you as a visionary. Um, but, but they also have some kind of track record with you of like being a rock star doer, right? Right. Those are the ones that you want to like take your time and develop into a leader. And if you can't do it, then obviously, certainly, like seek out outside help to do it in some kind of leadership program. But like. It's really, to me, the the best and the stickiest, like if you want somebody to stick and you want want somebody you can rely on is taking somebody from the bottom and training them to the top and like starting with the right person and giving them the right tools to be successful for you long-term. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Because if you think about
2: some of the things you said in there, okay, you take this corporate person, it might not be the right environment for them, but you think they have all these skills, but they also come with this hefty price tag. Oof, that yeah. you might not be able to afford as a small business. Yeah. So sometimes you have to start lower and train people up because it's what you can afford. Mm-hmm. They can grow, their position can grow, their their pay can grow mm-hmm. as your business
3: grows. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. So, so for me, yes. It sim- simply said the best leaders are not hired; they're trained now. If you're on, if you're listening to this, you're like, great, that like actually confirms a lot or validates what I've been thinking this whole time. So that just makes me feel better That I'm like going to actually stop looking on LinkedIn for my random unicorn. And I'm actually just going to make my own unicorn. Great. And if you feel confident in your leadership skills and your management skills to do that, to home grow a leader and be like a level five leader yourself, amazing. If you're listening and you're like, I don't even feel like an adequate leader myself, let alone being responsible to make another leader. Like, this is normally where I step in because it's like, I understand that that is a skill set that not all of us are given. And quite frankly, as somebody who comes from corporate America, leadership development for middle management is really not ideal anyways. Like, everything that I've ever learned on how to be a leader and a manager myself has been through, like, sweat, blood, and tears. Lots of tears. Um, it's the same, it's the same process of being a mother. Like I don't, they're alive and I'm doing a good job, but I'm also learning the hard way. Let's be, I I read all the books, but I'm still learning the hard way, you know? Right. And that's what it is to also people manage. Like there's only so much you can read an HR handbook (laughs) that can prepare you for what it is to manage human beings that have lives outside of the business walls.
2: Yeah, right. Exactly. I would say, yeah, I totally agree with all that. You know, I think of my time as a corporate leader, learning how to be a leader. There was so much it was like trial and error, be thrown into the fire, figure things out. Because sometimes even when you go through leadership training, at first, when everything is so new yeah. and you're trying to learn everything, it kind of you you're learning concepts, but you don't know how to get to apply it. And until you yes. really, actually have been in situations where you're like oh, or even hindsight, looking back, you're like, now I know what they're talking about there. Like I could see it and that's how you do it. So yeah, there's so much of the training that is it's missed if you're doing it without the experience as well.
3: Yeah, no, exactly. Right. So like, even for me, as I walk into a brand new year, like even it, as I go about doing some of my fractional chief of staff services, like I keep coming across the same wall. Like, so what I'm sharing with you is even what I face in trying to help my clients as a chief of staff is to staff them up. <laughs> and then we always hit the wall where I'm like, we're missing a marketing leader. We're missing a marketing leader. Like, it's a really big problem. And then they go to the recruiter there and they're like, okay, recruiter help me find a marketing leader. Like, okay if you want a leader off the shelf, it's like we talked about super, super expensive, or you have somebody who has all of the right ingredients, but they don't have leadership experience. So you have to kind of help them. So what I just, cause I like, I'm the kind of person that like, I'm going to solve my own problem <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> because if not as chief of staff, I have to be chief of staff and CMO in the absence of a marketing leader. So like It puts enormous pressure on your operations leader or your chief of staff or your executive assistant to like do roles that shouldn't even be their roles. So it's like a, it's a bigger problem that has ramifications and human collateral to the rest of the business by having that really critical position vacant for so long. Um, Because you as a visionary are not the most reachable also in doing all of the hats that you have to do. That's not even marketing. Right. Right. So one of the things I decided to do this year is I wanted to like solve this problem once and for all. And basically create a curriculum, a program to train marketing leaders. Basically, a program that I wish that I freaking had desperately when I was doing this and when I was coming up as a director of marketing, as a as a chief marketing officer. So I put together this kind of leadership development program, but it's like a two for one. Cause here's the thing, you guys, listen very closely. You can throw a leader into a leadership development program and like walk away for 12 weeks and then come back. Okay, are you done? But the truth is it's the visionary and i love you but hear me when i say this that ends up sabotaging your own investment because i'm trying to take the responsibilities away from you and that's going to cause a whole bunch of internal strife and a whole bunch of mindset stuff that's going to come up that you're like oh i don't like this like because we need to take things away from you so that you can do more things to propel the brand and the mission the vision forward and things that you've been so accustomed to doing and think that you can only do it better than anyone else. So there's a lot of mindset stuff that has to happen for you to truly let go of marketing. So you can do what marketing can't do. And so I've created this program that it's basically for both of you. It's developing the visionary to be the leader that they need to be and to really take on the reign of like what they're supposed to be doing that no one else can do. And for the marketer, to develop as well. So they're not competing with each other or accidentally sabotaging each other, like, which is what I see a lot.
2: So it's a program that you go through with your team members. The two of you go through it together. Yes. I Mm -hmm. love it. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Yeah. And that's you. this is a program you're just getting ready to kick off, right?
3: Yeah, it's yes, correct. It's brand spanking new. And I think by the time this podcast comes out, I'm, I'm just kicking off the first cohort.
2: Yeah. And I think you mentioned before we got on that you're, pl- you're planning on running it again. So if you're listening yeah. to this podcast when it first comes out and you've missed the kickoff or you're listening to it later, yeah. you can go and join the wait list and yeah. find out when the next cohort is going to be starting.
3: Yeah. So it's a super intimate program. Like I said, it's like at, at the most fundamental level, it's a leadership development program for you and your marketing leader that I affectionately call Rainmakers because we make it rain. (laughs) And that was the name of my former marketing Slack channel with my marketing team. I called it the Rainmaker channel. So that's where it like, that's where it comes from. Right. Um, but yes, it is a cohort that we are running and we will probably reopen it into the spring and then maybe a couple other times. Um, but if you want to know more about it, you can just go to rainmakerresidency.com um, because it is truly something unique. It is. it is, there's nothing like it in the online space. I can tell you that right now.
2: Yeah. If I think about it, like most programs, leadership programs, they're for one person. You send yep. your team member through, or you do it and you yep. might- yeah. So to find one that you're you go through together. So you learn how to delegate and let go and allow them to properly mm-hmm. take over. Like I feel like that is that's so important, so mm-hmm. essential. Yep. But I have I have two questions or two things I want to talk about before we start wrapping up today, like based on all that. So the first is so obviously, okay, so if you're listening now and you're like, oh, I want to get a part of this next cohort, I have a marketing team member at everything. What if the marketing team members you see that potential in them, but they're like,
3: yeah, no, I don't want that
2: responsibility.
3: <laughs> okay, so if you've ever read Traction, which is a great book, it doesn't always translate perfectly to the online space, but there's a really great fundamentals in it. And one of the things it talks about is the you know, GWC, right? Does your team member get it? Do they want it? And do they have the capacity for it? So maybe you identify them as somebody who has the capacity to be a really great leader and they certainly get what you're all about. But fundamentally, if somebody doesn't aspire or want the role, do not force it upon them. You cannot. Here's what I know about aspirations because I've studied this a lot for developing some of my marketing keynotes is that people align their actions with their aspirations. So if a person doesn't actually aspire for leadership opportunities, don't impose upon them just because you want that for them. They have to want it for themselves.
2: Yes. I think that's so important. I'm actually uh, speaking to a client just recently about one of their team members who is, is leaving. And they are telling me the whole backstory. And part of it was this team member was in a different role. They kind of presented mm-hmm. the current role to them. They, they were hesitant. They're like, oh, I don't really know if that's what I want. Mm-hmm. They ended up putting them in the role. Anyway, the person's mm-hmm. been there for a few years now, they gave it a good try. They're real, they're good mm-hmm. at it, but coming back and they're like, I'm really realizing this is truly not what I want. I have even mm. tried it for two years. It's not what I want. And now they're like, okay, what do what do we do next? Mm. and And sometimes, yeah, that that want is important. Sometimes that want is something that you can work through because people really don't understand what the other position is. They don't see that their strengths align. So sometimes it needs a little bit of that education, letting them know, let them maybe test the waters on like a project here or there, giving them a little bit more responsibility, help build up their confidence that they could actually be good at it. And then that want will be brought along. But yeah, then there's other times where that want is never going to be there. So don't force them.
3: Yeah, and it just sets everybody for a whole bunch of like disappointment or resentment. <laughs> like you don't want to impose upon somebody your vision for them. They have to kind of have that vision for themselves. So even when I'm coaching my clients to do kind of like annual reviews with their employees, I kind of like I use this analogy, I'm like, take your employee to the window and ask them what they aspire, what they see outside the window for themselves in their future. And I'm like, but here's the challenge that I, I impose upon you. Like, this is my challenge to you. Don't paint it for them. So like for you, it might be like, I aspire for a beach house. I think of this really beautiful beach landscape and your employees like, I love the mountains, but if you take them to the window and then describe to them what you see out the window, they now feel this like almost burden to have their aspirations and their vision for themselves match what you have for them. So like, it's really important that when you ask somebody, Hey, as I grow this company, I just really want to. I really want to understand what it is that you want for your future too. And I would love to see if there's an alignment because if I'm conscious of what you want for yourself and I know what the company and where we're marching towards, if I can like sync that up together, it's a win for you, it's a win for me. And obviously we'll stay together a lot longer because I'm fulfilling your needs and you're fulfilling my needs. So like the biggest thing that though for visionaries, because they're so good at this, is that they can vision cast for anybody anybody they do it for their spouse they do it for the dog they do it for anybody so the key is to try really hard not to impose upon your vision for somebody for the vision for they have for themselves
2: yes and it's I have a story that I'm sure I know for a fact I shared on the podcast before but just the real brief overview is I had a team member that I was pretty much doing that I was kind of like pushing her and I was having Mm -hmm. my vision and she sat down and she said why are you trying to push me off your team and I'm like what? I'm mm. like, I'm trying to help you get to that next level. And she goes, this is where I want to be. She was an older employee and she goes, this mm. is the position I want to retire in. So why do you not want me on your team? And it was helped me realize I was like, oh my gosh, I am pushing yeah. my drive, my goals, my yeah. desires on my yeah. team members. And it's what made me realize I need to find out what my team members want to do yeah. and help them achieve their goals versus giving them my goals. Mm.
3: Mm-hmm. No, it's exactly how aspirations work. Like if you, if you study like just the psychology, the human behaviors of like what we aspire to, it's interesting. A quarter of aspirations are nothing new. A quarter of people's aspirations is just maintaining what I already have. So like, I love my marriage. I'm happy in my marriage. I aspire to maintain my marriage. I don't aspire yes. for a different man. <laughs> like Right. right? So just remember that actually a lot of people's aspirations is to maintain what they already enjoy in their existence and their in their present and they want to maintain that in their future not all aspirations are different than what they have right now
2: yes love that all right and then my final question before we get into the wrap-up questions is all right so we talked about how it's really important as the the business owner the business leader the visionary to get yourself out of the marketing especially the marketing strategy yes but Where does that normally come in? Because I feel like this is one of those things where it's like a catch 22. People are like, I need team members to help me do the work because I can't take on more. But once I hire them, I need more business to actually be able to afford to pay them. Mm -hmm. So, in my mind, and I want to know if I'm wrong with thinking about this, is you do need to build some of your team of doers, Mm -hmm. and you do need, and you will be in that marketing role at first. Mm -hmm. But then there needs to be that point where you pull yourself out of it, just like you pulled yourself out of some of the day-to-day work of fulfilling client requests, right? And this
3: is where it goes awry really quickly is, and again, this is what I was kind of alluding to before. So I'll really just nail it now. It's like the visionary self-sabotages. So what I mean by that is they take on, they bring team members around them and they start to shed. Like, I'm going to start shedding all of these tasks. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not doing this anymore. What I see happen lovingly, I say this, but it's the truth is instead of replacing the time that those initial tasks took with revenue producing activity and more messaging moments and more FaceTime and more this and that, and this, and that's again, the stuff that you and only you really can do. um, They just fill it with more admin and they fill it with more crap. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're shedding things to somebody else to free yourself of time, but you're not filling that time with revenue producing or or business growth activities. And that requires an enormous amount of discipline and also having more clarity in the vision forward. Because if not, you're always responding and playing whack-a-mole every day. Versus knowing, no, these are my top three goals for the week. These are my top three goals for the quarter. No, so like even when visionaries do leadership meetings and they do like a scorecard, it's it's interesting to me that almost every leader and every team and the or team member in the call has KPIs, but the visionary doesn't. And I'm like, wait, whoa, 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 whoa visionaries need to have KPIs and they need to be held accountable to the growth of the company, just as much as a marketer does, an operations person does, a finance person does. So for me, one of the KPIs I give to all of my visionaries is like messaging moments. How many times did you talk about this business to the external world on a weekly basis? Like it's that kind of thinking, like whatever you replace, you replenish with stuff that can propel the brand, not just playing reactive whack-a-mole to what comes up your way in your inbox.
2: Love that. Love that. And depending on the type of business that you run, those messaging moments could be in many different forms. hundred percent. So like you talked a lot and you work a lot with online businesses, but if you're Mm -hmm. listening, you're not an online business, it could be. Networking face to face, going to an event, anything anything like that that gives you the opportunity to talk about your business with the with the right audience. Like obviously, if you're running a business for your target audience as CEOs and you're speaking to some random person at the grocery store that doesn't own a business and has no connection to CEOs, probably not a marketable moment. But um you know,
3: well, and that's a thing too. Messaging moments isn't like a stage full of a thousand people. I'm not talking messaging moments equal speaking opportunities. And now you need to be on the road and doing like you're a road warrior on behalf of the business. And like now you're it's a different kind of grind. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a messaging moment, period. So if that means you being in a mastermind and talking in front of a mastermind group of 25 people that are influential that you can do some partnerships with, great. If that means being on a phone call with a potential brand deal, great. If that means you recording a video, putting it on a podcast or not a podcast sorry an iPad, wiping the iPad of just like just that video, sending that iPad to Michael Jordan, inviting him to lunch in Park City, and Michael Jordan's people making it happen for you, like Dean Graziosi did. That's a messaging moment that has enormous implications for the business. So it's not the quantity of people who are watching your messaging moment that counts. It's just messaging moments.
2: moments. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's important, especially because there are so many people. It's like, I don't have that big of an audience. And it's mm-hmm. like, you don't need a huge audience if the right people are listening, if you're speaking to the right people, because you can get on stage and talk in front of 16,000 people and not have them be the right people for a year.
3: Yeah. I actually had a, one of my clients in the past was a very, very prolific, um, book publisher or yeah, publicist. Right. Um, I mean, she like big, big name. I think she got over 150 people on the New York times bestsellers list. Like, so it's just some crazy stuff. Um, but her big argument is like, you don't need followers to have a number one bestseller. You just need to impress one person. And that person is usually a producer on a TV show. Right. So like, I think sometimes we're like I need hundreds of thousands of followers to be influential. I'm like, or you can influence one person who puts you on good morning, America. <laughs> so right. like, it's just sometimes I think we, especially because of today, we focus, we hyper focus on quantity, 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 because that's the follower count. And that's when you get, you know, before it was like when you got the swipe up and all that stuff. And now I'm like, no, it's quality, quality, quality. Right. Right, exactly.
2: All right, Veronica, we need to start wrapping up. So tell yeah. everybody how they can get in touch with you.
3: Oh, I could talk to you forever. This is just like, again, <laughs> I told you, I warned you, this is one of my favorite things to talk about in the whole wide world. So, um, but for those of you that would love to further connect with me, um, I'm, I'm found everywhere. You can go to veronicaromney.com and then on social media, it's just V Romney.
2: All right. Well, thank you. All right. And my last question that I love to ask all of my guests we've all had leaders or managers that stood out to us. Think of one of the best leaders or managers that you have had and share with us one of the things that stood out to you that made them stand out as a great leader to you.
3: Yeah, I've had, I've been, it's 50-50. 50% 50 of my management experience, people managing me have been awful. (laughs) And then 50% have been, I, I grew 12 feet under their stewardship. So like I, I try so hard to be so conscious of my own leadership because I've been the beneficiary of great leadership and also not so great leadership. But I will say that my favorite, favorite, favorite leaders are the ones that are willing to get their hands dirty with me, that they never get to be so big in the chain and the ladder that they're not willing to like stay up till one in the morning doing a launch with me. So I rem- I, I would learn that very early on. My first, first job at a school was ancestry.com. I was the email operations manager. So I just deployed millions of emails like as a 20 year old in the office. And I remember we had a huge campaign. I can't remember if it was like Amelia Earhart records or some U S census records that were coming out. And I was deploying like 6 million emails. And like, it's a I was 20 years old. It's so a lot of pressure. Right. And to get all the tags, right. And to get all the, all the things and I'm like, Oh, and I remember my boss, Billy DeGroote came into the office and it was me and him, I think maybe other one other person. And we all came in our pajamas and we worked until like one or two in the morning to make sure that the launch got out. And like, that has always stayed with me that like, he didn't have to, it didn't fall anywhere in his like at all, especially in that corporate environment. He didn't, he wasn't pushing the send button, but he almost came for like moral support more than anything. Cause he trusted me to like get it done right. Cause that's, I'm a, I'm a good diligent worker, but it was like the moral support. So even now with my clients, when there's like a big launch, like we're in Slack the whole time and there's gifts and there's this, and there's like, you know, confetti. And like, it's just great leaders understand the value of energy production. Like you are in charge of producing good energy and being responsible for the energy and like by virtue culture of a team. And those are the ones that make the best leaders are the ones that are aware of that.
2: Awesome. All right. Well, that's it for today. Thank you, Veronica, so much for joining us on the Growing Your Team podcast. Thanks. And that wraps up this
1: episode of the Growing Your Team podcast. Did you enjoy this episode? If so, and you have not done so yet, please subscribe to the Growing Your Team podcast so you can stay up to date on all the latest episodes and hear all the greatest tips from our guest experts on how you can grow your team so you can scale your business. And if you haven't done so yet, please consider leaving us a review. I would love to hear what you think of the podcast and your review will help other people decide if this is the right podcast for them. So once again, thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe and leave us a review.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of Growing Your Team with your host, Jamie Van Kite. Be sure to subscribe and head on over to growingyourteam.com to connect, access the show notes, and discover more ways to hire and leverage your perfect fit team.